Let's pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are sovereign. We thank you that you are Lord. We thank you that you are always good in your sovereignty. And we ask, Father, that uh, now as uh, we look more closely at your word, uh, that we might submit to your lordship and that you might be pleased by the way that we respond so that, again, it might bring glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do you go to church? And by you, I mean the person with your name. Why do you go to church? Uh, maybe it's to see friends. Maybe uh, you haven't been for a few weeks. You've got nothing else on. Uh, maybe you like church. Uh, it's something that you always do. Maybe you feel like you have to go to church and feel guilty uh, if you don't. But why do you go? And what's the point of you being there? Uh, maybe to listen. Maybe make up numbers or something. And what would have happened if you didn't go to church uh, one week, one Sunday? What consequences would there have been for church? Now, just say you're on a roster or something like that. The consequences of that are obvious. But what about if you're not on a roster for something and you don't turn up? What would have happened? Would it have changed anything? Would it have mattered? I want to look at uh, this uh, part of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, see what it says about why it matters that you're there. Now, uh, Ephesians 4.1 acts like a heading for this passage, and I actually think the rest of Ephesians. Verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So Paul is urging them to live a life worthy. That's what this next passage is about, living a worthy life, worthy of the calling you have received. The calling they have received is describing God's choosing of them and his saving of them into his family, chapter 1 and 2. In other words, Paul is saying, you are saved already, now live a life that is worthy of a life saved by God. No, saved first and then worthy life comes after that. The worthy life is not rewarded by salvation. The worthy life is the response to salvation. So what follows then is how to live a worthy life of the gospel. Um, how? Well, let me just take us to verse 3. It says this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So note, make every effort to keep the unity. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, as we said, uh, as we saw in the last uh, uh, talk, Paul has explained how Jews and Gentiles, who at one stage hated each other, are one together in Christ now. There is no separation 
or reason for separation between the two. And so, verse 4, there is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called, verse 4, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All Christians, all people in Christ are one already through Jesus. And that's why verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity that Christians already have. How do you keep the unity that we already have in Christ when we're all so different? Back to verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What does all that mean? Well, being humble is just not being proud. If you read that great passage of, about humility in Philippians 2, it's considering others more important than yourself. Others are not more important, but humility is treating them as if they were or are. It's considering other people's interests before your own. Being gentle, being gentle is not those awful, Awful pictures of Jesus looking just meek and weak and with a little lamby in his arms. That's not gentleness. This is what it means. This is what gentleness is. Gentleness is controlled power. Controlled power. What do I mean? Well, it's being kind when you could crush. It's being loving when you could lash out. It's being sensitive when you could sting. That's gentleness. It's controlling that power to hurt or harm or be harsh. And so actually gentleness is not for weak people at all because weak people can't control their emotions, can't control their anger, they can't control the way they speak to others. It takes strength to self-control your behaviour and your words. Gentleness is controlled power. And if you are completely humble and gentle, then you won't be arrogant and abrasive with people. That is never good for unity, is it? Verse 2 also says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Let's be real. Let's be honest for a moment, okay? Amongst Christians, there are some people who are quite simply annoying. Yeah. People who get on your nerves. Maybe people you just can't stand. There are stubborn people. There are pushy people, cranky people, selfish people, disagreeable people. And let's face it, some just downright unlovable, prickly people out there. Maybe in here. <laughs> Maybe standing up the front. <laughs> Maybe sitting in your seat. What are we to do with them? Avoid them? Ignore them? Get rid of them? No. Be patient. Bear with them. Verse 2. 
in a nutshell, put up with them. It's being understanding and gracious with the faults and mistakes and shortcomings and annoyances of others. And it doesn't mean put up with them in a grumpy, sooky, sooky way. No. It says, verse 2, bear with one another in love. I think that means don't merely tolerate them, but actively, actively love them. And that takes effort. Notice this passage actually assumes that within the body of Christ, there will be people that you differ from or that you find difficult or even dislike. If there weren't, then you wouldn't need to be patient or put up with people, would you? And that's why it says, make every effort. Make every effort. Because that's what it takes with some. And it's okay that it takes effort. Let's be real. (laughs) If there weren't difficult people, church would probably be pretty empty, wouldn't it? What the Bible is telling us here is that where unity is concerned, it is not the differences that are the main thing. It's actually how we handle them and how we treat each other. Unity in Christ is not maintained or kept by sameness, but by how we treat each other. How are you going with that? That's that's the unity that we already have because of the Lord Jesus. But this passage goes on to talk about another unity, another kind of unity that we do not yet have and it's the unity that comes from bodybuilding look with me at verse 7 verse 7 but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportions it so Jesus is the one who gives and distributes grace which here refers to gifts, maybe abilities needed in the life of the body, in the life of the church. And Jesus gives uh, to each one and he gives different gifts to different people. Now, verse 8 to 10 there, I'm going to skip over that just a a little bit. Uh, Ask me later if you want to. Uh, But verse 8 to 10 explains why Jesus has the authority to give gifts. His authority comes from him being the triumphant Lord. But Jesus has the authority to give gifts and so he does that. So verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So here we have some of the gifts that Jesus gives out to his church. Not all of them, some of them. Apostles, prophets, pastors, uh, evangelists, pastors and teachers. These people are Jesus' gifts to the church. 
in other words, your pastor, your pastor teacher, is God's gift to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? In other words, Jeff <laughs> is God's gift to you. And so I think we should celebrate God's gift to us in Jeff. Let's give him a hand. And Jeff, I want you to come up the front. Come on, Jeff. Come on, brother. Come up the front. A hug first. Hug first. Okay. We'll... Hug first. Hug first. But in honour of Jeff being God's gift to you, and Jeff, I want you to wear this for the rest of church camp. Until you get home, maybe wear it all day. I don't know, maybe all day, I think. How about right there? Cameras, cameras. And unfortunately, there's a 30-day returns policy, so no. <laughs> I hope you feel special, brother. But in all seriousness, God has deliberately, in his infinite wisdom and love for you, the Lord Jesus has given you Jeff as your pastor, as your teacher. And that includes the other pastors and teachers that you have here, Warren and Marty and others. That is a wonderful generosity, is it not, of the Lord Jesus. Now, these particular gifts are mentioned here. Like I said, these are not all the gifts, but these particular gifts are mentioned here because... These people have a particular function in the body of Christ. That function is, look with me at verse 12 now. We've just read verse 11. What is their function? Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. So Jesus has given his gift of Jeff to you to prepare you for works of service. That's his job. That's his role that Jesus gifts him to you for, to prepare you to serve. Now, why are God's people... Why are, why are we to do these works of service which these gifts are to prepare us for? Again, verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity 
in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose of God's people doing works of service is to build up the body of Christ, the church. The way the body of Christ is built up is through works of service. When Christians serve each other, it builds the body of Christ up. It is bodybuilding. Serving is bodybuilding. And what are we building towards, verse 13? The body of Christ is building towards a unity in faith, knowledge and maturity to the measure of the fullness of Christ or the perfection of Christ. That is reaching a maturity uh, uh, that is like that of the Lord Jesus. If I can summarize it for you in this little phrase, it is unity in maturity in Christ. Unity in maturity in in Christ. That is the unity that we don't have yet that we are heading towards. That is the goal of our building work. That is the purpose of our serving work, which our pastors and teachers prepare us for. Now, if Christ is the goal to which we are building, as it says, verse 14, we won't be tossed back and forth by other teaching that steer us away from Christ. Instead, look with me at verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is, we will grow into the mature body of Christ who is the head of the body. That's where we're we're going, we're heading. And it is from Christ the head, it is out of Christ that the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. Notice, so it's growing and building. In love, but notice verse 16 again, as each part does its work. As each part does does its work. Serving is bodybuilding. And that is the one of the essential reasons that you gather as God's people. One of the essential reasons that you go to church. It's to build the body in love. As you do your part, as you do your serving, and you do your part, you do your works of service so that this body might be built up until we all reach unity in maturity in Christ. And serving each other, works of service, is not just for some of God's people. It's not even for most of God's people. It is for all of God's people. Everyone has a role to play as each part does its work. Verse 16. Verse 7, remember, Jesus has given gifts to each 
1. Now, later on, you can go and read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about how we're one body with all different parts and people have different gifts, so, you know, and the foot needs the hand and all that uh, sort of stuff. And if you don't know in which way to serve or where you fit in terms of serving the body, look, talk to one of your leaders. I don't think that's usually the problem, working out what to do. I think the challenge is for every one of us to actually jump in and do it. And so the big question for you today and for us today is every time we gather as church, as God's people in whatever context, the big question is what service are you doing to build up the body so that we might reach unity and maturity? And I'm not talking about rosters. They're included, nothing wrong with that, but I'm not talking about rosters. Even if you're not rostered on for supper or or music, or kids' church, or Bible reading, or preaching, or welcoming, or whatever, even if you're not rostered on for anything, it doesn't mean that you're not there to serve. You are still there to serve every time you're there. Serving is doing whatever builds God's people, whatever that is, and whenever God's people meet. How? Well, serving can be as simple and as significant as someone, as you asking someone, how are you? That's serving. If you stick around long enough to hear the answer. And I'm not talking about the how are you good, how are you good. No, 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 no. How are you really? I want to know. What's really going on for you? How can I love you? How can I pray for you? How can I laugh with you? How can I cry with you? That is serving, believe me. That is building the body as you build up others. Serving is for everyone. It can be as simple as looking out for new people. It was great hearing the the, uh, interview yesterday about welcoming and looking out for new people, but that's for everyone even if you're not on the welcoming team. And you may think, well, I'm not very good with people. I don't know what to say. Even if you see a new person walking the door, just going and sitting next to them and saying, hi, I'm Susie or I'm Fred or whatever it is. That's surfing. That is building. Serving is for everyone. Every week, every time you meet in big groups, every time you meet in small groups, every conversation. For everyone, when you meet together, you know, every conversation is about looking for who you can encourage. And, you know, when you finish that conversation, the next thought in your mind is, who else can I encourage? That is serving. Serving is for everyone. Every week. And not just on Sundays. You know, you are still church when you're not gathered. I know I talk about church and being gathered and all that kind of stuff. But you are also still church when you are not gathered. That's a whole noun verb thing about church in the Bible. You can come and ask me about that later. So serving, not on a Sunday for example, might be inviting someone over for dinner. 
that might be having, you know, like we've heard a bit today, might be having a few single people over for a meal or cooking for a single person if they've uh, been sick or maybe they're just tired. Or maybe just be nice to have someone cook a meal for them. That may be looking after someone's kids for them so they can just sit down and have a cup of tea. It might be shopping for an elderly person and for everyone serving is praying for others. We are bodybuilders by new birth in the Lord Jesus. We build by serving. It's not an option. It is who we are and who we've been made to be in the Lord Jesus. How are you going with it? You know, sometimes we come to church. I am talking about a Sunday now. Sometimes we come to church with an, I'll be served today, thank you very much, attitude. If in those questions that I asked at the start, you know, why do you go to church and would it matter and all that sort of stuff if you didn't go? What's the point of you being there? If your immediate thought was not, well, I go to church to serve. That's why I go, to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. If that wasn't your immediate thought, then even without knowing it, you may go to church with an, I'll be served today, thanks very much. Might be. That's your mindset. In other words, sometimes you might turn up at church and treat it like a restaurant. What happens at a restaurant? You go where you want and when you want. You expect everything to be ready when you arrive, whenever you arrive. Your table all ready, your cutlery, your menus. You expect it to be clean. You want value for your money. And if there's something that you don't like, you'll complain and you'll expect someone else to fix it. And if you're not satisfied, you can just leave. But you go to be served. That's why you go to a restaurant. Church can be the same sometimes, can't it? You go where and when you want. You expect everything to be ready when you arrive, whenever you arrive. The chairs set up, the band ready, all the equipment working, food out. You expect it to be clean. He left all those crumbs on the floor. You want value for your money, do you not? Better be a good sermon. Better sing the songs that I like. And if there's something that you don't like, you'll complain and expect someone else to fix it. And if you're not satisfied, you can just leave. You go expecting to be served. I wonder if you treat church like a restaurant sometimes. You might not be conscious of it when you turn up, but if you do not go with a mindset of serving others, you are treating church like it's a restaurant. 
Now, having said that, you know, it could be helpful to see church as a restaurant, except we see ourselves as the waiters and the waitresses. Waiters serve. That's their role. And they serve all the time. Every time they go to the restaurant. Waiters don't turn up saying, I wonder if I'll serve today. We are all waiters in church. Servants serving always. Because when you're serving, you're building. You're bodybuilders. That's what we are called to do. To build is to serve. And to serve the church that it be united. If you're going to do that, You better be gentle, you better be patient and forbearing because there'll be plenty of people at church who come expecting you to serve them. That's reality. But you know, it's what Jesus did for us. He came to serve, not be served. You know, someone once said to me, you don't really know if you're serving as a servant until someone treats you like one. Can I, can I say as we finish up, to those who feel like they serve a lot, and I'm pretty sure there are people here who do serve a lot and feel tired and maybe unappreciated. Thank you. Thank you. But keep going. That's what we're called to do. And if you're tired, look, there's nothing wrong with adjusting how you serve. It may be a season of serving differently. But keep serving. It's who we are. For those who are too busy to serve, if that is you, may I say to you that you may not understand the gospel. You may not understand the implications of the gospel properly. You are saved into a family, into a body, into a church, into a gospel restaurant. You are saved into that. And as those who are saved, we are called to serve her, the church, the body of Christ. If you do not get that, It's quite possible you don't quite get Jesus. You remember him? (laughs) The head of the church who came not to be served but to serve, to give his life. Serving was good enough for Jesus. Jesus. 
How arrogant to think that our busyness is more important than his. That Jesus served and serves and you haven't the time nor maybe even the inclination. If you are too busy to serve, get unbusy. Make hard decisions. Unselfish decisions. Build your church. Because if you are not serving, you are not building. You remember the title verse of this chapter that I mentioned. This is what is involved in living a life worthy of the gospel. And one of those things is serving. If you're too busy or you're too lazy or too selfish, that is unworthy of the gospel. Don't be one of those people who think church is a cruise ship. You know, you get on the deck and you sit on one of those lounge things and someone brings you a drink in a pineapple with a little umbrella in it. This is a rowboat. It's one of those dragon boats that we had in charades, isn't it? You know, a dragon boat, everyone has an oar. Are you using it? If you're not rowing, you're just along for the ride, you know, with your foot dangling in the water while everybody else strains and struggles, serving, doing their part and yours. You are dead weight. Don't be dead weight. There are no passengers in the body of Christ. Are you building? Are you building? Let me pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who came to us, who sought and found us, who came not to be served, but to serve. Lord, by your spirit, enable us to follow his example so we might build his body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.